Sometimes things are really fucked up and your girlfriend wants nothing to do with you. So you have a few drinks and then you call your girlfriend's sister <laughs> and start whining about how life is unfair and stuff. But she doesn't give two shits about how you're feeling, okay? Don't expect any sympathy when it was you that fucked up everything in the first place. Besides, you're drunk. Go home. Oh, and by you, I mean me. This is Stephen Babcock's quote about the song DVP by Pop, which we're going to be talking about today. And I'm Greg Conway, and I'm here with... I'm Hannah Collins. And this is In Defense of the Genre Podcast, and we're here to talk about DVP. So, what, how so, do you follow up that quote? Like, that's, that's it. Podcast over. Nothing else to talk about. <laughs> like, this song is so rooted in, like... Reminds me of like teenage punk drunkness. Like 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 I oh. I don't sympathize and he doesn't expect you to sympathize. Like and it's just this kind of like dumb boy drunk logic where he's like, I'm gonna phone her sister who will have my back at three in the morning when I'm wasted. This quote is like I have been every person in this situation. <laughs> and I think that that's what the popularity of this song comes from. Is that everyone who hears it is like, ah, yes, I have, I have been all of these people. I have been the sister on the phone and the girlfriend and Stephen Babcock. <laughs> yeah. I think the uniqueness about this song specifically is that uh, basically the tone Stephen Babcock takes with himself isn't present in almost any other song. Like he's like saying he's terrible, but he's not asking for sympathy. But at the same time, he comes off cool like he tries to make himself come off as the cool guy in this but like it's almost unintentional just because he's being so honest about it yeah the other songs in this album definitely have like a lot more maturity to their lyrics um and this one does not at all this is like a true nostalgia of like drunk skate punk that i feel like if you didn't go through a phase where you love skate punk i don't know you Although this song did, like, uh, I think it was up for, like, Junos and Polaris and all that kind of stuff, like, a long time. Oh, this was like, a huge single. Yeah, but it's, like, I don't associate this with, like, the Canadiana bands, like, like fucked up, or, like, the bands that would have won bands like this. I associate them with, like, um, like the Flatliners or, like, the Dirty Nail or something like that. That's how I've always kind of put this band in with. Oh, yeah, it really feels like that kind of ilk of these, like, very clean-cut Toronto punk bands that were safe more than they were anything else. yeah. But I think that the popular, like, not necessarily the popularity of Pup, but, like, my association with Pup is that those bands were making albums, like, two, three, five years previous. Yeah. And this Pup album is from 2016. And, like, we all went hard to it in 2016. Like, like everyone I knew loved this album this summer it came out. Yeah. But... But, like, we were not teenagers anymore. Like, I remember, like, being 19 and liking The Dirty Mill, and I remember being, like, 16 and liking The Flatliners, and then I was, like, 22, and this came out, and I was like, nice. Yeah, it's I'm an adult. (laughs) This band got, like, the nostalgic look back without, like, having to have been there for the nostalgia in the first place, right? Like, it's like... I remember hearing Pup, like, as an opening band all the time. Like, they'd always be the opening band when they played with, like, the Flatliners or something like that. And they were always a band, like, I'd skipped over or didn't care about or, like, always. And, like, like I remember a couple of my friends really liked the first album and I'd be like, oh, I don't really care that much about it. And then this album came and it just broke. Yeah, yeah. I remember this was, like, yeah, like, Pup was, like, always, like, yeah, that that's a band. That's because they famously toured with Cancer Bats and everyone hated them. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember them, like, being from that story where this, like, Canadian metal band took 
that like this on tour and people were like what the fuck is that don't do that <laughs> and then i but i think it's because this album like the dream is over had so much maturity in it that when people listened to it they were like this doesn't suck it's about getting drunk and calling your girlfriend's sister and being a douchebag but it's good so i think that just made it more playable like people like wanted to listen to it instead of like like i could talk about going to see the flatliners when I was like a teenager and like those like punk experiences that like I know teenagers had when this album came out but I don't I never want to listen to those bands again yeah <laughs> so like this song and this album were really like oh I can listen to it and feel that kind of nostalgia but I don't actually have to like put myself through listening to that again yeah and I, I think one of the things that make this stand out is um and I kind of mentioned it before is just uh there's no like um I'm drunk and you, I'm mad at you so you caused me to be drunk. You know, there's just like a, there's no, no objection. Like there's no, this is just a, like a vignette, like a scene is painted here. He's not giving any information. He's not picking a side. He's just like, oh yeah, I did this bad thing. I'm not adding anything to the story. I'm just presenting it, which is kind of unique. It's like, this is like such a personal song about like getting drunk and like going through and making this phone call, but it's like all presented like a fact, like a narrative. Yeah, there's no... My girlfriend's a bitch. Yeah. And her sister's a bitch, which is the, like, the kind of misogyny that these songs would have had if this song was written, like, five years previous. So so I think we should uh, stop on the song title for people who don't live very close to us. Is DVP. <laughs> it uh, stands for the Don Valley Parkway, which is basically coming off the 401, um, coming from east. That's what you're going to take pretty much to get into downtown Toronto, like, right into Queen West. Yeah. And uh, it's mentioned in this song that it's uh, doing 180 on the Don Valley Parkway. And on The Genius, it talks about how you would never be able to do 180 on the DVP. I also like, for listeners out there, The Genius has, uh, they have a picture of the Don Valley Parkway for relevance, just so you can really understand. And a note that says the speed limit on the DVP which I also like because I don't know anyone who calls it the DVP. Everyone says it's the Don Valley. Yeah. The, but the speed limit is 90. So I like the, the context, the cultural context that Genius.com provides you. And that we're <laughs> providing you here now to talk about the Don Valley. Uh, an underrated thing about the Don Valley Parkway is um, on the Genius, it talks how it's uh, infamously hectic and busy because it's the main like commuter, ro- commuter road in and out of Toronto. But uh, at night, the DVP is completely different. And now I notice that I actually call the DPP now, which I didn't do before this song. <laughs> no. But at the night at nighttime, it kind of has like this curvature to it and there's like empty cars and it, the speed limit's super low because it's used to all of this traffic, right? So it basically becomes like a need for speed underground too, like live. It's like <laughs> it's like the the place where you would drive very fast in your car. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Yeah, no, it's it's really but I like reading. I think that that's a part of being into Canadiana music and like experiences in Canadiana culture where you have to read online and people like explaining these things that you just like feel are like inherent cultural artifacts like that being on the Don Valley fucking sucks in rush hour and you're never gonna get out of there yeah and that driving it at night you're like I could go forever and it's a clear symbol of how he feels in this relationship he's stuck in it but then he gets drunk and drives at night <laughs> and it's very fun. He's rebelling. It's fun. He gets to go fast. He's getting away on the DVP. It's it's such a simple and good 
meta like symbolism. <laughs> it's so it's so easy and good. But also it's Toronto and they're from Toronto and like all true Toronto bands, you can't not mention it at least once. Yeah. <laughs> Are you really a Canadian band if you don't make it really, really clear that you're a Canadian band? Yeah, I think naming their song BBP was just their pitch for the Polaris. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, another thing that happens in this song is um, he mentions, um, I just don't know what to do. I'm still fucked, over, still fucked up over you. She says that I drink too much Hawaiian red fruit punch. <laughs> and that line was originally supposed to be, she fucking hates my guts. But they changed it to have a li- little lighthearted inside joke to kind of end on something a little more fun. Hawaiian <laughs> red fruit punch. Yeah. I think that that is the the line that you're like, oh god, this is still like a Broadway punk band. Yeah. Because like you can't really be sincere. Like the song is like so it's it's a very sincere song, and a lot of their songs are very sincere. But they're like, but well, we can't we can't actually express any real feelings. It has to be a fun joke. Because she's really just a bitch and so is her sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't actually take experiences seriously. Like, now that I'm looking at these lyrics and have been for the past, like, week while I've been listening to this, this album almost feels like, uh, almost like a concept album. It feels like they're written in order. Like, he comes home from tour, he's getting really drunk and fighting with his girlfriend, and in this song he's, like, gets, like, basically going through the breakup, and then he's sitting and staring at the ceiling. Sleeping the heat and his dog dies. Yeah, he's, like, sitting and staring at the ceiling. He's sad because he, so he buys a gecko and it dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes back on tour and hates it. <laughs> like, what a terrible sad album. Also, there's scary demons in the water at some point, but... <sighs> Who knows? I like that. I, I, you can't talk about this. I know this, this episode is about the song DPP, but it's not possible to talk about this album without talking about the first track. I think we have to talk about a couple tracks on this album, but yeah, let's start with the first one. So the first song is, if, if this tour doesn't kill you, then I will. Which I re-listened to, it came up on my uh, Spotify summer throwback playlist. <laughs> a song that I've listened to previously. Your summer songs. rewind. Oh my god, it was just like, Pop and Diet Sig and Martha on repeat. Like, if you want to know what kind of time I was having in the summer of 2016, it's right It's right there. But yeah, so the first song is If This Tour Doesn't Kill You, Then I Will. This was their, when they went on a bunch of US tours right when they signed and became serious. They did 250 shows Jesus. in uh, 2014. Which is too many shows. No, that's almost as many days as there are shows. Yeah. Almost as many shows as there are days. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The point is, it's too many damn shows. So the song is like, it's, the rest of the, the songs on this album are like, they're very pointed, they're very well done. This is like a straight out of a musical. Yeah. It's, it's like a rock ballad, literally about how much you hate all of your bandmates, because if this tour doesn't kill you, then I will. I think this song like actually exists better, like kind of the parallel way that the Warped Tour song is later, because this is like, um, kind of like they're just going on their tour on their own and they start to hate each other. And then there's just kind of this unifying we actually hate other things. Like, this isn't about me hating my drummer. This is about how being a musician has to play 250 shows in a year is terrible, and how Warped Tour is terrible, uh, and how this scene is awful for a person trying to have their throat not die. But it's a really great, like, little snippet of life on the road and of, like, working and being like, this actually sucks. All of this sucks. And this song, <laughs> like, the album is called The Dream Is Over, and it starts with a song about how much they hate touring and... and they haven't released an album in the two years since this came out. All of this is very <laughs> suspicious. Yeah, so so um, 
the song title The Dream Is Over actually came from Stephen Babcock's Doctor. Oh yeah, about his throat. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up real quick. So uh, Babcock had uh, problems with his vocal cords because he has kind of a sing with his throat style, which kills people in the scene. <laughs> and uh, so his uh, doctor told him to quit singing, and uh, he had a cyst on his vocal cords, and he was supposed to get surgery, but he didn't because he's punk. That's not punk. Taking care of yourself is punk. <laughs> so, so he, he just worked through it with getting regular throat massages and did like vocal training to get like kind of a safer singing style. And they tried to add rest days to the tours, which uh, going on a 30 day tour, you shouldn't play 30 shows. No, <laughs> no, you should have some downtime in there. The song I want to tell you about right now is uh, My Life Is Over and I Couldn't Be Happier. So, my life is over and I couldn't be happier. Basically, it's the chorus is, if I came home right now, what would I find out? And it's like, I don't even know why you're so pissed. You said I'm such a piece of shit. It wasn't subtle at all, or like the lyrics. And um, what Stephen Babcock said about the song is amazing. This is his quote about, my life is over and I couldn't be happier in what inspired the song. I used to date this girl when I was around 20 years old. So it starts great. You know it's gonna be a <laughs> shit show. So one day I was going to the bar with my pals, and she asked if she could just crash at my place after she finished work. So I gave her my extra key and went out with the guys, and immediately forgot she was crashing at my place. So you know chaos is coming, no. but what kind of chaos? So that night, I got absolutely obliterated. I stumbled home drunk like any shit-hammered 20-year-old dude, and I'm thinking in my brain on my way home. Hell yeah. When I get home, I'm going to jerk off when I get home, and it's going to be rad. <laughs> no! I thought this would be sadder. I got home. I'm super drunk. It's super dark. I get down to business. Midway through, I hear a voice right beside me like, ew, you piece of shit. I was so surprised. I had totally forgotten she was crashing at my place. I hadn't seen her when I came in. Oh, buddy, that was embarrassing. Anyways, that was the last time I ever saw her. Oh my god, I thought this song was going to be something so much sadder. <laughs> what a twist. What the fuck? It's one of my favorite stories. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's the lyrics like get even funnier because like I know people have like related to this like my life is over and I can be happier like about like such a falling out and it's such like it's uh there's another line where it's like stumbled out and I'm headed for the van. I can't drive, man. I can barely stand. Forget getting it up. <laughs> like, no! This song is such a shit show, and if you don't look at the lyrics or, like, listen to it too closely, you'd think it was just, like, such a serious song. Oh, my God. So, so... And it's, like, once again presented, like, weirdly objectively. Like, it's just, yeah, this is that. Like, the lyrics, like, when you hear the song, it just sounds like a really angsty breakup song. And it's like, wow, you sound like a douchebag, but this mostly just sounds like a really angsty breakup song, and then... It's actually just about doing literally the dumbest thing you could do to someone. <laughs> yeah, he just comes home. He's just but also just the end, like, you wouldn't believe me? Oh my god. Like, all of those things alone aren't worth bringing up. It's like, yeah, a guy jerks off, who cares, you know? It's like, sure, a guy gets really drunk every once in a while. Sure, that's fine, every once in a while. You know what? He forgets you're coming over. That really is shitty. But it's like, all, all three together into this ball of oh Stephen Babcock shit show. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess if we, we talked about these dumb idiot songs that they have, we should talk about the two 
I would say the two real, like, very good, more serious songs they have here, would, one of them would be Sleep in the Heat. Sleep in the Heat is a beautiful song. It's a, it's a heartbreaking ode to a dead gecko. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't, if you haven't seen the video for the song, it stars Finn Wolfhard. Of Stranger of Things. Of Stranger Things. And it came out sort of right after Stranger Things came out. So he was like, like everyone, he was like this super fresh faced, super famous kid. And then just suddenly was like, and he's going to do this, this video with this fun punk band from Canada, which was like so on brand for this, this child. Yeah. <laughs> but the video is so touching. It's adorable. And it's like a heartbreaking, touching story because like we basically, he presents himself as like this coming home from tour and being kind of isolated and being different and like having this breakup and like having like heavy, like period of drinking. And then he buys this gecko, or this chameleon and he names it Norman. He falls in love and Norman (laughs) gets sick and Steven spends all of his life savings on this surgery that prolongs the, the chameleon's life for only a little bit. And then the chameleon passes away, and he's broke, and he... Ugh, it's so sad. When this album came out, like, the, just the tone of this song, and, like, if you're not paying about the uh, lyric, paying attention to the t- lyrics too much, my uh, girlfriend at the time thought this was about someone's girlfriend dying. Like, that's just kind of the serious tone it has. It does. It's a really intense, really beautiful song that I believe is also about a chameleon. <laughs> yeah. It's a sequel, almost, to the song Mabu off the first album, mm. where he's saying goodbye to his family car, because the first line is like, I was feeling a little bizarre the day that I buried my family car, and it's that that is basically the inspiration of why he bought the chameleon, and it's just like... And it feels like a reference of, like, that song is a really touching personal song about something that people wouldn't necessarily be super sad about, and that this song is not about his girlfriend passing away, it's about his chameleon, is also, like, kind of in the same ilk. Yeah. It's so sad. R.I.P. to Norman, the chameleon. He just wanted to hunt crickets. Oh my god. It's so sad. This is, I think this is probably the best song though on this album. Like, I'll say it. Yeah. It's I would very say, cute. It's either this, or um, I really like that song Pine Point, which is based off of that like Canadian documentary, like the interactive documentary about that like mining, abandoned mining town. It's so cool. I can't remember like what, what the actual documentary oh is. Oh my god, I remember. It was like a website like nfb or something like that yeah which I call, like, it was like a, it was a basically like this like strange online scrapbook all about this town that had been abandoned yeah and just like slowly because the mining industry had left this town it was in the yukon was it or northwest territory i think it was in the the i thought it was in the high east coast but i could be wrong I thought it was at west we're gonna google this it's we're very gonna... northern canada yeah it was this like really bizarre scrapbook which was like super eerie to read and explore i remember that okay if you want to look this up you just uh look type in nfb pine point which is a interactive web documentary which is kind of like it's kind of really hard to uh to describe what it is it's like it's almost designed like the game paper mario but you can click and drag it's an online scrapbook like it's got a whole yeah it's got weird like you have to click and open things and there are little videos you watch and like certain like it's weird and like multi what's the word media yeah multi-dimensional even though it's all online yeah so it's it was the northwest territories yeah so basically, the person who made this documentary, Michael Simons, had visited Pine Point once for an ice hockey tournament when he was nine, and uh, apparently some elderly or older person 
um, who lived there was like, I'm one of the last people here and I don't want all these stories to go. And they got in touch and like created this website about the death and end of this town. And it's really beautiful and friggin' sick. So a pup was formed in 2013 under the band name Topanga, which is extremely new for how critically acclaimed they are and the scene they're in. I thought that like, it seems like five years. Like it just, I feel like I've been seeing that name for so long. Yeah. It's just, I guess it's just how prominent they were and how quickly they were on everyone's radar. Like I feel like that, that first album, I can't remember what it's called, but with the teeth like on the cover, it was like, I saw that like immediately as soon as it came out. I feel like they were just everywhere. Yeah. I think it's because they were playing a lot of like like shows and touring with bands that would have been in like scenes we were like both associated like I think they played Sappy Fest really early on and like kind of like those kind of tours where it was like big but not quite big. They're big if you like know anything about like Canadian music. Yeah. If you're like plugged into that, there are definitely like band names that stand out and this band really did stand out. Also the band name Pup is a lot better than the band name Topanga after the character from Boy Meets World. Yeah, that's too obvious. That makes it sound like there are Sad emo band with like an extensive band camp following, but nothing really else. <laughs> yeah, this was a personal dig at Greg right there. This one band on Bandcamp. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the band is basically Stephen Babcock on uh, vocals and guitars, uh, Nestor Jumac on bass and backing vocals, Zach McCullough on drums, and Steve Sladowski on guitar, which are some real hard names there to pronounce. For you right there. <laughs> we but apologize, Pop. I should have tried that before just reading it straight off there. But uh, so basically, this band uh, got together in 2013 and jammed, like some, played a little bit of local shows, and then they put out a self released demo, which got noticed by the band Colorado. Are you familiar with Colorado? I lived in Ontario in the early 2010s, so I have to be. They're a band that I feel like I've seen them on hundreds of posters and gotten like years worth of event invites and have never listened to a single song by them. They're one of those bands that like like what's that other band? The Arkells? Yeah. That every, everyone Arkells has seen like. nobody has ever paid to see them. Yeah, they're yeah. just there. <laughs> they're, I, just, I couldn't tell you a single Arkells song or even what genre they're like Indie-ish punk probably. That's safe Canadian music. Mm-hmm. I feel like Colorado's in that safe Canadian music. Yeah, I always kind of associated Pup though with less like the Colorado scene and I was associated them with like the Flatliners and the Dirty Nail. And uh, that's kind of uh, still kind of where I view them, even though they're a lot bigger than those bands now. Yeah. I would still like, and I think that's probably who you'd find if you if you went to like the Spotify related artists, I can assume. Let's find out. Yeah. Or like that Pew 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 band from Toronto. Oh my God. Yeah, there's like very much a certain type of like also like safe, almost like preppy punk bands. Like, like you have a full sleeves on both your arms, but they're covered by collars when you go to work at your sick office job. There's a brand. <laughs> That's like your dream. Yes, and we exist. Also like... So, so basically they got noticed by Colorado and asked to go on tour with Colorado. And the producer, Dave Schiffman, who did records with Rage Against the Machine and Weezer, approached them to work on their first full record. And it took a split second for all members to have a meeting to decide immediately we're all quitting our jobs. when uh going on tour full-time and we're becoming full-time musicians when opportunity knocks yeah when dave schiffman knocks the man who produced a weezer album (laughs) (laughs) you answer i'll pick up the phone so uh it basically the tour with colorado led to bigger tours with bands like the menzingers and lemuria which are would have been a very sick tour and um they they went overseas to australia with the smith street band which is a really cool band that i like 
They basically constantly toured. They played with everywhere, everyone and played like everywhere. 250 shows in 2014. They just never stopped working. Yeah, that's their second year as a band. They played Jeez. 250 shows. But I, I remember when this band was like sort of in 2015, 2016, like just just these, like people started noticing them like right like as these singles started coming up before the album came out and, and people talking about how they were this band that they were like just as big as these other kind of like punk bands in Toronto and they got really big really fast. Yeah, immediately. And it was like really weird dynamic because they were still like friends with all these people and then suddenly they were famous. Yeah, and it was like, I remember Pup playing Toronto and it's just like, they went from like half room at Sneaky D's to like Oprah House Pact, you know? It's like, it was like... There was no in between. Yeah, like they tried like... They were a band that, like, they'd book a venue and it sold out, and they were like, holy shit, we that venue and it sold out? What? That's not right. So so the year after they played the 250 shows, Pup became one of the endless, one of the endless list of bands who took Warp Tour when they shouldn't have taken Warp Tour, and they hated it so much. And they wrote one of the many famous Warp Tour Suck songs. Who liked Warp Tour? Why is that still happening? <laughs> it's done. Oh, thank God. Um, today... Today is actually the last Toronto day it's ever. It's July 18th, and it's 17th? It's July 17th. I don't know what the date is. It's today. Are. It's today. It's Tuesday. Yeah, today is the Toronto day. It's over. It's over. Thank God. Right now, everyone's Jeez. gone. They will never come back. Did you Did you go to a work tour? I never went to a work tour because I grew up in Ottawa, and I was too far away, pretty much. Yeah. And I couldn't, like, convince my daddy to drive me to Toronto to go to Warped Tour because I loved pop punk bands and he was like, I'm a grown man and I hate this. Yeah, that's so I So pretty much, uh, I didn't have parents who loved and supported my scene phase at 14, so they never took me to Warped Tour. And then by the time I could do things like take myself to Warped Tour, it wasn't really something I would have wanted to do anymore. Yeah, I went with, uh, I went once when I was too young to go in 2006 and like my mom had to like hang out with me the whole time and I like, didn't have like punk or like emo friends so I was just hanging out with my mom like by myself and I just nice. like like left halfway through the day because I was like so this that is kind of really weird fun, odd. like now like to go over tour with my mom yeah <laughs> like I just bought like a Bam Margera element skateboard and like saw hello goodbye and like I was like it's too hot I have to leave mom. <laughs> But I actually went again in 2012. Oh my god. And I actually had a pretty good time because, um, once again, I left halfway through the day because all the bands I wanted to see were just openers. I just, like, saw Into It Over It and, like, Koji and, like, The Wonder Years and Polar Bear Club and was just out. <laughs> I would I would go see The Wonder Years in 2012. Yeah. That sounds like a band I would want to see in a time I would want to see them. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I was there for. And it was, I, like, Warp Tour was always kind of, like... Like, they knew there were people, and they catered to them, who, like, liked cooler stuff. Like, they were like, you know what, let's put all these kind of niche cool artists out in the morning. Because they're not going to stick around till like, 7pm to see a day to remember, you know? Yeah. They, they got that. That's something I respect, and I wish Riot Fest would do the same. <laughs> oh, let's hope that no festivals find this podcast and don't sponsor you because of it. <laughs> hey, Riot Fest. You know At Riot should... Fest, get better. I could help you. I would never book Dropkick Murphys on the same stage right before Death Cab for Cutie. I could tell you that. Hire me. Who would do that? Riot Fest, Toronto. Oh man, all these like 35 year old sad emo kids would get beaten up by a 35 year old drunk guy who thinks he's Irish. Yeah. Did that happen to you? <laughs> Yeah, I was clenching to the front bars because I had to be at the front row for Death Cab for Cutie because I'm a grown-ass man who cries at Death Cab for Cutie concerts. And I was just 
you know what? I had to, I had to take one for the team, you know? Holes in the hands. People say there's no white culture. It's Celtic punk. <laughs> if there's no if there's no white culture, explain Rocket <laughs> Murphy's. America, explain. <laughs> so uh, The Dream Is Over came out um, in 2016. It was the culmination of uh, Stephen, Babcock, Stephen Babcock working through his vocal surgery and uh, years of touring kind of finally paying off. Like, it's kind of like they went into this album, like, unsure if they were even going to be able to ever tour it. Maybe they, I guess he made the right decision by not getting surgery, but who really knows? I guess time will see. But they were, it was commercially <laughs> successful and critically acclaimed. And it's, it, it earns it. It's very good. Have you seen Pup Live? I have. I have. Well, I saw them here. Did okay. you go to that show? No, no, I didn't go. Yeah. Um, yeah. We okay. tried to go and it was sold out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I bought tickets in advance because I was smart. Yeah, not no. I knew. Yeah, no. Pup. Imagine being late like, when you had to walk literally across the road from above Sam's place, and that's that's that was my life that at the time. You. That's that's bad, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that that's on me. Uh, well, I did go see Pup live. Um, yeah, about it. Tell us. Because <laughs> even though we all live in downtown Peterborough, sometimes it's hard to get from one end of the street to the other um, if you're not me, you're prepared and you buy tickets in advance. Uh, so yeah, so we went to go see Pup. They came to Peterborough at the end of 2016. Yeah, so it would have been probably seven or eight months after this album came out. And it blew up that summer, so it would have been the winter after that summer. I, like, my Pup phase had ended by then, but I still wanted to go see them. Because I just, I just wanted to see it. Yeah. And obviously, uh, a bunch of my friends went. I, I didn't realize how many words to... <laughs> If this tour doesn't kill you, then I will. That that I knew, and I remember they opened the like that. That was the first song, obviously. Yeah, you have. And to I open. was like, oh, I'm like way more into this than I realized. And I had that moment of like, oh, I love pop punk. I love it. I love this shit. Uh, they played a ridiculous set. Like it was, it was like just nonstop energy. Um, there were a lot of like you know like twenty year old Trent Bros who love punk but have never like at that point had never like been to the spill or the garnet or ever seen like interacted with like a band that like a local band like they were people that obviously it was full of like those kind of kids who were like they love punk and they like don't know what pay what you can means yeah i feel like there must be a weird like crowd there because like that would have been a band like people who like look up stuff on pitchfork would have went to and you know? that was it that was it <laughs> yeah but like also people who were punks would go to it like it would just they have a weird kind of community like they draw in a lot of different kind of fans. they really do and it was definitely it was a really eclectic group of people because crosstalk opened for them uh which is not uh, we're going to debate if this is an emo song or not crosstalk is definitely not an, if it's an emo or punk band uh, they're like a very hardcore po- like political punk band yeah so it was like a really weird dynamic to sort of see people who I knew and I knew who liked music and liked punk music uh, go to the show and then like all these like random kids basically <laughs> it was yeah. like who are these random kids like it was very like my first mosh pit for a lot of people yeah I, I always love shows like that because I go and then I realize like I'm old and I've become that like old person who's like I want to stand right here and I'm holding a beer and don't touch me don't spill my beer don't touch my purse yeah <laughs> and like I've like lost my charm of being like baby's first mosh pit but like I obviously now just know that I'm like I don't want this like 20 year old dude to like keep trying to throw his whole body weight at me I want to drink my shitty overpriced beer at the Red Dog yeah you're like the song slightly sounds less when someone plumps into you you're like uh, uh. 
The age where you're washed is when someone bumps into you and you just kind of playfully punch back. And then there's this just like, I'm going to go closer to the bar now. <laughs> Wait, the band name. I love the band name. I love, I love it. I like that it's in all caps. I love band names that are in all caps. Also, yeah. I think it's fun. I even like, like, it's like a small, like, P-U-P. Like, it could be like a, like a short form for like three different words that's pop. But I even like bands that are like unnecessarily all caps like single mothers being all caps i'm like yeah that's sick it should be all caps i think it's great i think it's fun i never thought about this until you pointed out in these notes um that it could stand for anything i literally always just assumed it was like pop like because they're like a band that would be the way that like dogs are like they look yeah. like a band that would just be called like we love dogs yeah so so we don't really know there's like a lot of like i guess in different interviews they've said like different things and like different reporters have said something but in football there is a term called the pup list where you put players who you've signed, but like they're physically unable to perform the pup list. And that kind of like works so perfect with like yeah. the, the dream is over. It's like, and that, like underdog kind of lost it attitude that this band yeah, has. Yeah, you're hurt and you can't do it anymore. That fits so perfect. And it was like physically unable to perform is just extremely emo. And I've always, I always thought that was it. Like as soon as I saw this band, I was like, that's what this is. But um Wikipedia says there are rumors that the band saw the word pup in graffiti above a urinal at Sneaky D's, which is more punk than than the other one, <laughs> than the football one. So one option is extremely emo, and the other option is extremely punk. And then the Edmonton Sun reported that pup stands for pathetic use of potential, which, which is, is extremely <laughs> boring. There's punk, emo, or boring, which are the three kind of people who like pup. <laughs> people who found them. <laughs> Because they toured with the Menzingers, people who found them because they're punks, and people who found them because they're boring and like pitchfork reviews. <laughs> oh, I think I think the, the thing I dislike most about DVP is that uh, the needle drop. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I don't like that guy. No, I no, no one, reason no one likes that guy. What? And there's an obvious reason. He's like a douchebag. He's like known to be like hyper conservative and like shitty. Yeah. Like there's like really glaring reasons why you shouldn't like him. But the point <laughs> is that like. So, like, that kind of ilk of, of music reviews and people who, like, are really into caring about music. I'm going to be honest. There are, like, bands that are popular now that, like, meme accounts that, like, talk about popular music. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I'm too old to know these bands. Yeah. Um, but bands, like, like people who do those kind of things, like the Pitchfork, like, sort of, like, Pitchfork and Pitchfork encatchment media... As soon as I like something, I'm like, I hate this, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does happen to me too. Which is how I felt about DVP being a single that like even like Pitchfork really liked. I was like, uh, I thought this was cool. So so the question is, is it emo, is it punk, or is it boring? So so basically I want to start my, my in this essay I will. <laughs> basically, the reason I did this uh, podcast is because I know that we're both like kind of like, I would say fans, but like also like skeptical fans of the band pop. <laughs> And I was on the website, uh, Washed Up Emo, Is This Band Emo? And I typed in pop, and they said, this band is an emo band. And he was on their podcast talking about emo music, and I think they kind of self-identify as an emo band. Which, and I, I can kind of see it, but just like, it depends on your own evaluation of what emo is. Like, if you would consider like a band like Japan Droids or Dirty Nail Emo, you would and also consider pop. People describe those bands as emo but like japan droids i would never say is emo i would say it's like like seminal canadian listening oh man you <laughs> you japan droids like got like lumped in with like the world is a beautiful place somehow it doesn't make sense what? to me at all but it was like they were like one of the figureheads of like the emo revival of like 2012 
and it was like Pitchfork like said they were like a seminal emo release and like it makes no sense to Different me. Different episode, Heart Sweats. Is it an emo song? No. We're gonna talk about Japan Droids. That's a good idea, but not today. But I think this band is emo because I just don't consider this pop punk in a way. This doesn't sound like the Wonder Years to me. This doesn't sound like Newfound Glory to me. This doesn't sound like in my head what I imagine pop punk to be. But it sounds like this like generation or this like very specific kind of brand of these bands that I feel like started off as punk bands and as they got better like writing wise. They, they became more like, but people couldn't necessarily categorize them as just like strictly punk. And they had to be categorized as emo pretty much just because they were more mature. So like, like the bands that this band was lumped in with Spotify, like bands like Roswell Kid or like Jeff Rosenstock or Joyce Manor, like those were all bands that like were considered punk bands when they first came out. And then like their music transformed to reflect what people could like only kind of now describe as emo, which is pretty much like, and then like you've obviously talked about this a lot on this podcast of like how like people label or recognize songs as emo. And and there's very much this like kind of grouping of songs and of, of bands that people consider emo that are really just like very grown up yeah. pop songs. So, so a couple of things, I guess, to, uh, to kind of get to near the end of this podcast is, um, this uh, song, DVP, was featured in two video games I wanted to talk oh. about. Number one is uh, just, uh, which is kind of like a weird bro-y punk thing. It was featured in NHL, EA Sports, like NHL 14 or 15. It was like, <laughs> it's like imagining like bros hanging out playing cello listening to Pup is so funny to me. But it does work. It's like such a but pop song. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that, that series also had like the quiet things that no one ever knows by brand new on it. And you're like... Okay. <laughs> this is. I imagine that like, like the way that the OC had people who went who would write that show who were specifically brought in because they were young and they knew cool music and they knew what cool bands to bring up to this like teen drama from the two thousands. I think that all those video games also have that person. Oh, like, definitely. They just have someone who's like plugged in and knows good music, and their whole job is to just find good, interesting music that is not too expensive to pay for licensing. And so sick to play video games too. Like the upbeat, like. Like DVP makes you want to like run around and break stuff. Yeah. It does make you want to go 180 on the Don Valley Parkway. Yeah, it's a you can't put land in your car. You'll get a speeding ticket. No, it's dangerous. Uh, the other song that Pup was featured in, and they were characters in this game, is uh, oh, Dream, Dream Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Did you ever play Dream Daddy? I never played Dream Daddy. I'm uh, not good at nor enjoying video games. Uh, but last summer when I came out, my roommate played Dream Daddy and explained to me every single thing that happened in it. This game sounds super fun and. Pup seems exactly like the kind of band that is featured in not one, but two video games that are completely different with completely different audiences. I got a score goal in hockey. Date got a hook up with a hot dad <laughs> in a dad dating simulator video game, which is so funny and so sick. It's apparently they approached them and they were so into it. They were like, can we be in this game? <laughs> like they like pushed their involvement further. Like it wasn't just like, we want to license one of your songs. They were like, no, we need to be a part of this. Yeah, I love those things. It was like uh, apparently... Um, this happened with uh, Game of Thrones and the band The Hold Steady. They were like, they wanted to license a song, and The Hold Steady were like, can we be in the show? <laughs> <laughs> can we be in the background somewhere? And they're like, it's just like, make it happen. Like, when you get asked for someone for licensing, and they're like, oh, we love that. <laughs> no, we want more than that. Yeah. We just want our song? Take me as a whole. <laughs> so is it emo? No. no. I'm going to say no. No. Um, I, think that, I think that this is a genre that is separate from punk and emo. Yeah. I'd say orcore or straight up punk is my 
Yeah, as much as I want to say they're an emo band just because I friggin' think they're sick. <laughs> I like them and I want to claim them as my own and I hate saying that I enjoy music by a punk band because I'm a weirdo. Who, they're who a cares? punk band. They're, they're punk as hell. Like, UVP is friggin' banger. It, it makes you want to break stuff. Yeah. It does. It's this generation's trusty chords by Hot Water Music. <laughs> oh my god. So so I think that's that's the end. That's it. Um, so no, it's not emo. No. Um, yeah, you don't have to listen to this podcast because we figured it out. It's not emo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thanks so much for, uh, Hannah, for coming on. Back again. And, uh, this is In Defense of the Genre. You can find us on Twitter at IDOTG Podcast, and you can rate and review us on iTunes, because it does nothing except help my ego feel better when I am spending hours editing these podcasts. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>